Tan and J-Man Show Nation. How's it going tonight, everybody? This is Tanner's last show as a single man as he's getting hitched on Saturday. So congrats to he and his fiance, Steph. She'll be a good time. Good time down there in uh, Liston, Indiana. Uh, I can honestly say I've never been to Liston before. So uh, Honestly say I don't know why you would uh, before Saturday. <laughs> Gonna knock it off the bucket list, but uh, we have some hot takes, topics, picks, and more. Did I get it right? You got it right. You got Nailed it right. It. I'll have uh, to uh, correct you this week. Yeah. Uh, we got trade deadline. We have some NFL talk. Uh, what else we got? We got Pac-12 preview. Um, loaded show. Loaded show. Loaded doesn't show. very often at the end of July. So we're very no. thankful for that. No, we're starting to finally... Get into the weeks we don't have to scramble so much yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah. But uh, also, uh, before we get into everything, uh, you and your wife had some exciting news. Uh, mind if you want to share with Tanner J Man Show Nation your exciting news? Yes, Tanner. I think shared a few weeks ago when uh, we were out of town that uh, my wife Megan is pregnant and we are having a little girl. So, uh, girl dad over here. Hashtag girl dad. Hashtag girl dad. Cannot wait. Christmas Eve due date, uh, so I'm hoping it comes a little before that, and it probably will. But uh, yeah, should be uh, exciting times for both of us. I think uh, I need to get her a pink tan and J Man show onesie. I think so. I think that's yep. going to be uh, the thing she wears out of the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> not a Cubs, not a, not the Cubs tan and no, J Man show. Well, my uh, my wife's uh, uncle is a huge Cardinals fan, and I've, I've already <laughs> had to sit him down, tell him you know this. This is what's going to happen. He's he's not going to listen to me at all. He he already said his gift to the baby, Ozzy Smith autograph on the forehead. So uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Ozzy <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Smith, or maybe I'll go Joe Montana with his Niners love there. I, I, I I'm okay with the Niners stuff, yeah. uh, but the Cardinals deal breaker. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Cardinals and Cubs tonight as they had an interesting series over the weekend. But first, let's start this show off like we always do with the birdie or bogey segment. Big one this week as the J-Man's got a one-stroke lead. But tonight, got to go one way or the other. You got to go two strokes up or we're going to be tied because there's no par tonight. There's no par. You, you got to get both these guys or nothing or nothing. NFL related. Name the two quarterbacks in NFL history that have thrown the most touchdowns in playoff history without playing in a Super Bowl. Oh, man. And I'll give you a hint. Both of these guys have thrown 17 touchdowns in the playoffs without reaching a Super Bowl. In the playoffs without reaching a Super Bowl. Oh, man. I have no idea. Literally, don't don't even have a guess right now. (laughs) Uh, but uh, Birdie Bogey is brought to you by Arlington Public House. Arlington Public House has upscale cuisine and cocktails with a casual atmosphere. Located 703 Main Street in Rochester, Indiana. Over the weekend, they had a prime rib special that looked just divine. Uh, big fan of the prime rib. I think we talked a little, little bit about prime rib last week, too. I ate at the Arlington Public House Saturday night. Mm. They had the prime rib special. I did not get it. A little disappointed in myself, but I got a nice ribeye. That was Ooh, fantastic. Nice consolation prize. There. Beyonce got a uh, spicy ramen noodle dish, which she gave me a bite that just said noodles and uh, meat. It was really good. Uh, I had a bite of my aunt's pork chop, which 
Pork chop might be the best thing that got on the menu. And I, I'm not Ooh. a huge pork chop guy, and that pork chop, phenomenal. So tender. Had some good appetizers. Had a good beer. I had a Wee Mac for, for my beer selection. Uh, it was a good night with the family celebrating my grandma's 83rd birthday. It was either 83rd or 84th. I think it was her 83rd mm-hmm. birthday. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was very fun and great atmosphere. And uh, by the time we left, it was really getting busy. So, yeah. Uh, it was it was it was hopping Saturday night, and per use Mondays two dollars smoked wings whole wings and one dollar off domestic beers. So whoever is watching this show, turn our show off. Go to Arlington Public House, get yourself some wings and some beer. Yeah, you can catch it later. You can catch yeah. it later on the uh, Tan and J Man Show uh, Facebook page or the ISC Sports Network's YouTube That's channel or their Twitter page. Or oh wait. X. I got to get used to saying X now nope. instead of Twitter. Nope. Twitter. <laughs> don't care about the logo. Don't care about the name change. It is going to be Twitter until the day I die. So I can't say eventually, eventually I'm not going to be able to say I'm sending out some tweets. I'm going to say I'm sending out some X's. No, <laughs> not happening. Just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't have that nice ring to it. I don't like it. Don't like it's it. It's stupid. It is so stupid. And don't I, like I, the I mean, logo. Don't like we, anything. We talked about it last week. Um, yeah, we did. How stupid it is. So uh, we're very fortunate it's still around, I guess, because uh, there was there were some times there the past few months that you thought, oh, this is it. People yeah. started jumping to other platforms. And, of course, per usual, those other platforms don't take off like pe- people think they will. Yeah, I thought Hive was the platform to take off. Yeah. Last year didn't happen. Threads, they got a ton of subscribers. Don't get me wrong. And I still think there could be more promise with Threads because it's backed by Meta, who owns Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. But I still haven't seen a lot of the hype yet. I mean, I haven't seen it come to surface yet. So Yeah, I, I haven't jumped on Threads. I haven't either. I haven't either. There, there was like one day where there was this boom, like, okay, Twitter's dead. Yeah. Uh, follow me on threads. Haven't heard anything about yep. it since. So, uh, yep. Tweet. Yep. Twitter is uh, still going. I don't know if it's thriving, but it's always going to be uh, Twitter to me. And yep. I don't care what Elon or anyone else. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. I'm an old man now, so. Well, before we get into talking about some baseball and some NFL and some college football with the Pac-12, do you want to get educated real quick? Let's do it. All right. I haven't looked at these till right now, so I'm going to get educated with you as well. Sport events that have happened on July 31st throughout the history of time. On this day, 1930, New York Yankees first baseman Lou Gehrig drove in eight runs with a grand slam and two doubles and a 14-13 to win over their rival, the Boston Red Sox. Who was that? Lou Gehrig. Oh, pretty good guy. That's a pretty good game there. Yeah. Uh, luckiest man on the face of the earth, too. Yes, he was. On this day, 1932, the Cleveland Indians, as they were known back then, christened their new home municipal stadium before more than 76,000 fans. They lost the opener 1-0 to the Philadelphia A's. 76,000, 1932. That's quite a few seats. That's a lot. I know back in the 80s, uh, there were seasons where they struggled to reach that many for total uh, attendance, so. Um, let's see here. A lot of Olympic stuff in the 40s. On this day, 1954, Milwaukee first baseman Joe Adcock became only the third player in the 20th century to have four home runs in a nine-inning game. Hmm. Lou Gehrig and Gil Hodges were the other two. 
in a 15-7 Braves win over the Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field. MLB record 18 total bases. Dang. Uh, on this day, 1961, the 31st MLB All-Star game in the in the second at Fenway Park took place it was the first tie in the history of the All-Star game as it was called due to rain after nine innings with the score of one to one. Who won the PGA championship on this day 1961? 61, let me go with Jack Nicholas. Always a great guess, but a guy named Jerry Barber won his only major title in that Monday 18 hole playoff with Don January. 67 to 68. Was Jack around that early? He was. He, I think he was still in college at that okay. time. I think. I think. Uh, let's see here. On this day, nineteen seventy-two, Chicago infielder Dick Allen became only the seventh player in MLB history to hit two inside the park home runs in a game. Man, oh, he's probably <laughs> the last guy to do it too. I would think so. On this day, 1978, Cincinnati Red infielder Pete Rose singled off Phil Necro to extend his hitting streak to 44 games. I think that he still holds the National League record. That uh, tied Will, Willie Keeler's 81-year-old national record at the time. Okay. Uh, let's see. A lot of baseball stuff today. Interesting one. On this day, 1988, the Miami Dolphins beat the San Francisco 49ers 27-21, the American Bowl at London's Wembley Stadium. What year was that? 1988. 88, huh? Wembley Stadium holds 90,000. At least it does nowadays. On this day, 1990, Nolan Ryan of the Texas Rangers at the time recorded his 300th career victory, 20th MLB pitcher to reach that milestone at the time. It's pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Did you know, though, I want to fact check myself uh, <laughs> before I uh, say this stat, uh, he never won a Cy Young. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah. That yeah. is stupid. Yeah, he finished second once third twice and fourth uh once uh his year where he finished second i want to see who won it and if it was warranted um you know back back then they looked at win loss record unfortunately which that that doesn't happen anymore yeah um and he had uh tom Seaver won oh whoops um jim palmer won the american league and it, it was warranted he had a better year than well, Nolan did, but uh, Nolan had Nolan racked up the losses back then. He won a bunch of games, but he also lost double-digit games. A one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen times. So uh, I, I wonder how many times his offense just didn't produce for him. Yeah. I mean, his, his career is 3.19, which is really oh, that's good. that's higher than I would. Yeah, I would, um, it's still, still a little higher than I even thought it he, would be, to be honest. He, he had 324 wins, and he almost had 300 losses at 292, uh, which which back then guys pitched a lot more. I went deeper into games, so there was more opportunity for losses uh, back then sure. as well. So. Sure. On this day, 1997, the Oakland A's traded their first baseman slugger, Mark McGuire, to the St. Louis Cardinals. I honestly never knew he was traded. I thought he signed with Cardinals free agency for some reason. Yeah, it was a trade deadline deal. 97. He had 34 home runs and 81 RBIs at the time of the trade. 
wonder what they gave up for him. I didn't say, yeah. On this, also on this day, 1997, college football's all-time winningest coach Eddie Robinson and his Grambling State University program were placed on a two-year probation for rules violations, including recruiting and academic eligibility. The uh, Cardinals gave up Eric Ludwig, TJ Matthews, and Blake Stein. So, in typical Cardinal fashion, somehow they get away picking up this these elite players without giving up a whole lot. Um, they did it with Goldschmidt, Arenado, um, a couple other guys. A few more here. Uh, on this day in uh, 2012, Michael Phelps became the greatest medal winner in Olympic history as part of the winning American 4x200-meter freestyle relay team in London. It was Phelps' 19th career Olympic medal and his 15th overall gold. Uh, Katie Ledecky passed Michael Phelps' uh, record um, yesterday for world titles. Uh, total with a 16th gold medal. Yeah, she's pretty good too. And on this day in 2016, who won the men's PGA championship? 2016, um, men's PGA championship. I'm gonna go with Spieth. Good guess. It was uh, Jimmy Walker won his first and only major by one shot over defending champion Jason Day. And Jimmy's had some health problems over the years. Still plays on tour, but not the same player he was in 2016, unfortunately. And that will do it for the On This Day segment, which it's brought to you by this week, like it is every week of this great year of 2023, by Mooney Woodcrafts. Mooney Woodcrafts is a veteran-owned and operated woodcraft shop based out of North Carolina with Indian Grassroots. They provide 100% hand-cut custom designs to fit your needs, and their pieces are a great addition to any home office, or man cave. You can see some of their recently completed projects by visiting them on Instagram or Facebook at Mooney Woodcrafts. And if you let them know the Tan and J-Man show sent you, you get 15% off your order. So get your sign orders in. Thad can do sports signs, military signs, family signs, uh, whatever you're into. That can make you a wooden sign for. And uh, he does really, really great work. So get your orders in. Tell them Tan and J-Man show sent you. 15% off. You want to talk some baseball here? Uh, I will let you run with it. Trade deadline is tomorrow. We've already seen some deals. It's it's kind of a weaker trade deadline um, this year for whatever reason. And a lot of that has to do with the Angels deciding to keep Shohei and kind of going for it. Uh, and it, it the, the only way they had any sort of possibility of signing Shohei this offseason is to keep him. Uh, so uh, that's part of the reason. But also, um, they're right in the thick of things as well. Um, they're out in the NL West. They're a- AOS, excuse me. They are five games out of the division lead, and they are four games out of a playoff spot. So they're still in it, and they've made some trades, uh, trading for Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez uh, from the Chicago White Sox, and they picked up Randall Gritchick and C.J. Crone yesterday from the uh, Colorado Rockies. Uh, so <clears throat> taking a guy like Shohei, um, off the table will uh, weaken the um, trade deadline a little bit. And the other team that's kind of weakened the trade deadline a little bit is the uh, Chicago Cubs, winners of – they have won eight of their last ten. Uh, they've played some really good baseball here uh, the past few weeks. Uh, they have the uh, best offense in all of baseball since uh, the trade deadline where they are. Um, as a team, they're hitting 304. Uh, they're averaging seven runs a game since the All-Star break, 878 OPS, and they're leading in stolen bases. So 
Uh, they're starting to hit really well. Weather's heated up. Uh, now the issue with them has been uh, for years now. They get hot, all get hot at the same time, and then they all get cold at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see once uh, competition stiffens up a little bit. Um, but uh, them probably a week ago today, I would say they were set on selling at the deadline. Bellinger's gone, Strowman's gone, whoever else is a rental on their team's likely gone. And now they've uh, played themselves back into contention where uh, they are four games out of the division. They are three and a half out of a wild card spot. And um, so that takes Stroman and Bellinger off the table. And they actually just made a trade literally a minute before our show started trading for Jaimir Candelario from the Washington Nationals. He'll be their third baseman uh, going forward. They gave up two mid-level prospects, DJ Hers and Kevin Made. Um, to get him, he has had a really good year. He has been 27%. Um, above league average hitter uh, so far this year. He plays a really good third base as well. Um, and the interesting thing about Jaimir is he is a former Cub um, as well. Uh, he was with the Cubs. He came up through the farm system, got a cup of coffee in 16, then played a little bit in 2017, and they uh, traded him away for uh, Justin Wilson and Alex Avila at the trade deadline in 2017. So Kyle Hendricks is no longer the uh, final member of the 2016 World Series team uh, as Candelaria was there, which he was not on the roster World Series, but uh, he at least played a few games in that 2016 season. Uh, but yeah, he's he has an 823 OPS, has 16 homers, 30 doubles. He killed the Cubs uh, a few weeks ago when Washington was in uh, Wrigley just two weeks ago. He had a couple homers, uh, really good fit. Um, and they, they needed some offensive help, especially from the left side and a guy that can play third base. Um, and he's, uh, for his career, he's been pretty good hitting from the right side as well, which they have struggled against lefties here recently because David Ross is still hell-bent on playing Trey Mancini against left-handed pitching, even though Mancini has been just abhorrently bad um, here all season, really. Um, and he's in the lineup tonight against the lefty. But uh, the Cubs uh, getting hot and the Angels getting hot is kind of uh, weak in the deadline, as I said a little bit. But we still saw some pretty big moves. Uh, Rollis Chapman was traded about a month ago now. Uh, to the Texas Rangers, but then the Rangers made a huge splash on Saturday, trading for Max Scherzer, um, who was with the New York Mets. <laughs> that didn't um, go well for the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Mets are the Mets are on full on sell mode. They traded Mark Canna to the Milwaukee Brewers today. Justin Verlander's probably next. They spent uh, so much money to do nothing. Yeah, to do nothing. <laughs> now the thing with these uh, guys is they are. Uh, kind of getting rid of these contracts a little bit. Sure. So they're going to reload and probably make a full court press for Shohei Otani. Sure. You know, season. As they um, should. So as, as most teams should big market teams that can afford him, uh, Cubs, Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, I think will be the four that we hear the most um, because uh, there have been reports. The Cubs will be in it and they will be willing to do whatever it takes to kind of get him. So we'll see. We've seen these reports before and then nothing comes to fruition. I have a really hard time believing he'll actually leave LA and I think he'll end up with the Dodgers if he ends up anywhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, that at least gives me a little bit of hope uh, going into this off season. Uh, but uh, yeah, Cubs been playing some good baseball. They took three of four from the St. Louis Cardinals crazy game Friday night uh, where uh, Cubs were up one in the ninth inning, two outs Cardinals had guy at third Alec Burleson hits a bombed to center and uh it kept carrying and carrying i thought it was an easy out off the back kept carrying and mike Tobman had to leak at the wall reach over the wall and bring back a homer to uh 
win the game or would have been a walk-off homer for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, which is kind of interesting because just six years ago, um, in 2017, the Cubs did the exact same thing to the Cardinals. It, it would have tied the game, I believe, uh, in 2017. It ended the Cardinals' season. Uh, so uh, Talkman effectively – their season was already over, but Talkman effectively ended any hope the Cardinals had to uh, kind of get back in the race as they have started their sell-off, trading Jordan Hicks, the Blue Jays, Mike Mon- not Mike Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery to the uh, Texas Rangers. And uh, they say they're not going to trade Arenado. They say they're not going to trade Goldschmidt, but I guess they haven't been – exactly saying no um today um as far as they've, they've actually been listening i should say uh so uh cardinals are done which is kind of nice uh it doesn't happen very often that they are selling but um as far as the cubs go uh they, they need multiple relievers uh to kind of uh bolster their bullpen because they've uh had these 31 32 year old rookies and mark Leiter jr or J- journeyman i should say mark Leiter jr and uh Merriweather, I forget his first name all of a sudden, uh, that have that, that have been their guys in the back end of the bullpen. Aberdowsley has been fantastic as a closer, uh, but they have uh, they've struggled to get outs in the fifth to sixth inning. In the Cubs starting rotation, starting to not pitch that well. They have uh, they have the sixth worst. I'm going to bring up the stat here because I favorited it. Um, they are since the All Star or since the beginning of July, they have the. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ninth worst uh, starter ERA. So, and, and, and a lot of that has to do with Marcus Stroman's kind of in a rough stretch. And hopefully Stroman, now that the trade deadline's about out of the way and he's going to stay, he can kind of get it together. He might have just been uh, looking forward or looking ahead to that. Um, and so hopefully he can turn it around starting tonight against uh, the Cincinnati Reds. But as I said, Cubs have been scoring runs. They have the most runs scored in all of July in all of baseball, 145 runs. Uh, so they're out slugging teams, which is something they have not uh, been doing for majority of the year. So that's good to see. And hopefully the pitching can uh, kind of uh, turn things around and they will be uh, at least stay in the race. Massive series this week. Uh, arguably the biggest series in Wrigley Field since 2018. Um, it's It's been a minute since uh, the um, stakes were this high. Four games behind the Cincinnati Reds. They come to town for a four-game series, so this could really make or break. Uh, which is they're they're kind of in a bad spot because I I think Jed Hoyer really wanted to sell even as of a few days ago. But the team with them playing well, he knew the optics would be just absolutely terrible if he still sold. Uh, so he uh, wanted to at least show that he believes in them, and um, so he went out and made this trade for Candelario today. But uh, you don't trade Bellinger, you don't trade Stroman, and then you lose three or four to the Reds or even get swept by the Reds, and you're pretty much done then. And uh, there's no longer a way. And you're stuck. And then you're stuck. Uh, that's the issue. But uh, optics-wise, he needed to go out, keep these guys. It it helps with your pursuit of Bellinger in the offseason, for one. He's been one of the better hitters in the National League this year. And um, shows potential free agents as well that the Cubs are trying to win again. Uh, so he he needed to do some some things are more important than just selling guys and trying to get build up the farm system, which as of right now, Cubs have the second best farm system according to uh, Fangraphs. So who has the first? I believe it's still Baltimore, even with all these guys oh, graduating. I'm pretty sure it's still Baltimore. Um, at, at least they're way up there. You know they've struggled a majority of our lifetime. They probably deserve to be good yeah, for a little bit. The issue that I have with them, they had five years where they are the worst team in all of baseball, barely winning 50 games. And even yeah. some years they didn't win 50 games. 
Um, and that's not good for the sport either. True. And now they're, they're seeing the benefit of that, but, uh, they, they need to somehow curb tanking, uh, somehow some way I, I don't know how they do it they they try a lottery but i mean it's proven for years in the nba that teams try to tank to get the best odds to get the number one pick regardless so mm-hmm. a lottery system doesn't work i i honestly don't know what they do uh but uh elsewhere around the sport uh braves 11 and a half games up in the east that's over and yeah. they're, they're only going to get better too with the trade deadline they have uh they're starting pitching this year uh they have let me find it here. Games started by Braves pitchers. Spencer Strider has 21 starts. Bryce Elder has 21. Charlie Morton has 20. And then you have Jared Schuster, who has nine. You have four guys with five starts, two guys with three starts, and five other guys with one start uh, for the Atlanta Braves. So they've pretty much used a three-man rotation in their 30 games over 500, 31 games over 500. So I think they're going to go hard after some starting pitching, uh, at least to help with their depth. Uh, that that offense doesn't need any help though. They have the best offense in uh, all of baseball. They're slugging, they're stealing bases. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. stole his fiftieth base yesterday, and it's only July, you know. Uh, and he's on pace for thirty plus homers, so he's probably your odds-on favorite in the National League anyway uh, to win the uh, MVP. Finally, I, I've I've picked him to win it like three straight years, I think, and I think this is the year he does it. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, the the National League's probably going to come down to the uh, to, to the Braves Dodgers again, and I think the Braves are quite a bit better. Um, American League Yankees are still in last place. They struck out 18 times yesterday. Aaron Boone said their at bats were really good, though. Um, but I don't know how you can say that. Anthony Rizzo went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. Uh, it's a pretty bad day at the ballpark. But Aaron Judge is back, so maybe they can go on a little bit of a run. He played well Saturday night. Yeah, I hit a homer. Uh, depending on what they do at the deadline, they, they need offensive help, especially left field. They have started 13 different left fielders this year. Um, <laughs> they're in New York. And uh, the the American League's tough. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do at the deadline. Um, Tampa Bay's kind of tapered off a little bit. They made a pretty good trade today for uh, Savale from the um, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Toronto still made a trade for Jordan Hicks. Boston, don't know what they're going to do. They're kind of a wild card. Then you have the terrible AL Central. The Minnesota Twins are one game over 500 winning that division. The Cleveland Guardians are at 500, a half game out of the division, and they are selling at the deadline. They are selling at the deadline, even though they are they, – they win. I mean, they could easily be in first place by tonight. Uh, and they are selling at the deadline trade one of their best starters. Sounds like Josh Bell's on the trading block. They already traded Ahmed Rosario. So clearly they don't believe, uh, the front office doesn't believe in that team. I don't blame them. Um, and sometimes you kind of have to also look for to the future, even though you're in the middle of a race, mainly because that division's terrible. Um, How would you feel if, if, if that was the Cubs, though? I, I would be mad. Uh, as a right, fan, yeah. Right now. Oh, as, as a fan, I'd probably be mad. Yeah. Um, if if it was the Cubs doing that, I'd absolutely be mad. But if it's the Guardians, where you've been good for seven years and you can kind of feel it kind of turning and know things yeah. need to kind of turn around, you can kind of get on board because you you see how bad the division is and they haven't taken control of this bad division and know you're not going to win a World Series. Um, so I I could kind of get on board with it. But with uh, if if that was the Cubs now after two straight sell offs and haven't 
you know, I mean, they won the division in 2020, but it was a COVID division title. Um, I'd, I'd be mad. So, um, ALS Rangers are holding on their game up on the Houston Astros. Both teams will be very active here the next few days. Angels, as I said, uh, Mariners, five and a half games out of the division, four and a half out of the card, and it sounds like they're selling. They traded their closer, uh, yep. Paul Seawald, to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks today. Sounds like they're listening on Ty France, their first baseman, um, uh, as well as a few other guys. So, uh, they're kind of uh, they're kind of in no man's land right now. Maybe they they're talented enough to get hot, uh, but uh, it's it's probably a soft sell anyway for uh, the Seattle Mariners. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of clustered there in the uh, National League Wild Card. You have the uh, Cubs three and a half out, Diamondbacks are a game out, Phillies half game out. You have the Padres still lurking five games out. They are a wild card in the National League. Because they have these guys that you could trade, Josh Hader, Juan Soto. Sounds like they're going to hold on to them, and uh, they might even end up buying tomorrow, tonight or tomorrow. So uh, it's kind of an interesting spot for them to be in. Yeah, I'm glad you informed me on all that because I, I knew a few people got traded today, but I I just learned a lot. Yeah. So there, the star power at the deadline's not there, as I said with Bellinger and. Um, Stroman and Otani. You still have Verlander out there, um, but uh, he has he has to wave a no trade his no trade. So he the only team I could see him doing that for is potentially Houston, maybe Baltimore. Cincinnati's been mentioned, but I I don't know if he waves it for Cincinnati. I don't know if he waves it for Baltimore either. Um, I could see him do it for uh, Baltimore mainly because I believe he's he's an East Coaster. He went to Old Dominion, pretty sure. Well, he's been an American League guy most of his career. He's been an American League guy all of his career up till um, the Mets. He signed with the Mets. Oh. Yeah, uh, he's he's from Virginia, so going to Baltimore wouldn't be too far from home. And then mm-hmm. Cincinnati wouldn't be that far either. So yeah. maybe he does. Yeah. I think that's all I got as far as uh, baseball goes this week. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff. One, one more thing. MLB attendance is up 9% this season, which is the biggest jump in attendance since the Sosa McGuire home run chase. So seems like uh, baseball is trending up as it needed to be. I got to think most of that's due to the faster pace of the game. 100%. You know, I mean, I don't know how ticket prices are around baseball compared to other sports. Uh, of course, there's more games. But yeah. the, no, was, depending yeah. on the team. Um, Cubs tickets are still astronomical. Yankees are as well. Yeah. Red Sox. Um, but other than that, I don't think they're too bad. They're not like NFL. NFLs are crazy. No. Just yeah. crazy, man. Ridiculous. Yeah, you're, you're you're lucky to get into the stadium under 150. Oh yeah, very lucky. Very lucky. A couple teams you can, but not not too many anymore. No. Too many anymore. But uh, speaking of the NFL, NFL training camps have started all over the league. So we've already got some interesting news. There's some drama out in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor and Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor's agent. Jonathan Taylor supposedly injured himself in a non-football related way. So the Colts kind of want to put him on the in, uh, injured list that you, that you decide people that don't get hurt while playing football. And Jonathan Taylor wants traded. Or they say they're not trading him. I just think it's going to get messier between those two sides. I mean, man, right when for Colt fans, right when you think you got a franchise guy, this happens. 
Yeah. Uh, supposedly Taylor wanted 16 mil a year, which yeah, no running, that's pretty steep. <laughs> no running backs ever going to get that anymore. Um, unless the NFL goes back to what it used to be. And who, who knows? We've seen cycles where it kind of changes. Um, now that Dan Snyder's no longer involved, is Jim Mercer the worst owner in the NFL? He's he's pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just, I don't know. I mean, I of course, I don't know the guy personally, but, man, I know a lot of Colt fans are pretty embarrassed by his actions the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't blame him. I mean, I don't know. I already didn't know what to think about the Colts going in this year, but you, you throw this Taylor drama and mess in the fold and – I don't really have high expectations for the Colts. They have a chance to be the worst team in the AFC, I think. Especially if you're starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, they do They do have Minshew, right? I still think Minshew will start first couple oh. weeks like we see a lot of times, and then they'll be 0-4, 1-4, 1-5, whatever, and then throw Anthony into the fire. Yeah. Um, and then with the Taylor drama, um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a resolution, so you might as well trade him because it – once once this start stuff starts leaking into the media, it's usually it's usually over. Yeah, where really. there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Um and then Zach Moss goes down in camp today yep. with the uh, with the Colts broke his forearm. So even more spotlights on that running back room now. <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. Um you know, injuries are part of football, they're part of training camp, both in uh, NFL and college, you just always hope your team's not going to have big, significant playmakers go down. You always hope it's going to be depth guys, backups, yeah. that sort of thing. You never want to scare like the Cincinnati Bengals fan base went through last week with Joe Burrow going down with what ended up being just a calf string. Um, he'll be out multiple weeks, but he should be back for the regular season. Um, I know a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, Andrew Eiler, was – Try to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, why that was going on. And I messaged, I don't think that since the city of Cincinnati cares about the Reds in this moment, as our star quarterback just went down. And then he had a little argument about he's not the, the popular, the most popular Joe of Cincinnati with, because he hadn't won MVP like Votto and yada, 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 yada. But. And you uh, wonder but, why I hate the Reds so much. So we had that scare. Your Dolphins, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey went down. Um, things, things were going too well. So that that what it sounds like he'll be back at some point though, December. Okay, that definitely yeah. hurts. Yeah. My Bron my Broncos uh, wide receiver room could got to go back to Peyton Manning era when the Broncos had a full healthy wide receiver corpse coming into the year. Tim Patrick, who missed all of last season after getting a nice contract extension for himself, went missed all last season with ACL, goes down today with an Achilles. So two years in a row, poor guy's not gonna play a single game. And what stinks is that's two years in a row where it sounded like he and Russell Wilson really had a nice connection going. It sounded like he was Russell Wilson's favorite target at practice on Friday. Then he goes down. Then K.J. Hamler, they released today. He failed a physical with a heart issue. Um, so actually that's probably good that they found that and he's able to take some time away from football. But all of a sudden the Broncos wide receiver room is looking thin again. Um, got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. But after that, Marvin Mims. Uh, from Oklahoma, from Oklahoma, the rookie's probably gonna be their number third guy unless they go get somebody. So yeah, it's. Uh, I will let the Dolphins every year. do Robbie Anderson. Oh, I don't want that head case. Coming back will have to be either PS two or Justin. <laughs> no, thank you. Them's the rules. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but it's like clockwork, man. It's like 
and it's always somebody for the Broncos going down the first week. It's never like one of the later weeks. I mean, Von Miller a couple years ago, now wide receivers a couple years in a row. But it's part of yeah, football. If, if it was one of the later weeks, though, and the Broncos were in it, you'd be even more upset. Oh, you're you're right. You're right. Now the team has a chance to get used to playing without those guys. But yeah. it just stinks. But it's part of the NFL. It's part of football. Unfortunately, yeah. guys are going to go down. He just Because that's always part of it. It's not only how good your team how lucky did they get with not getting bit by an injury bug. That's always something, too, in any sport. And fortunately, that happened. So I got that news across my phone today. Um, and kind of kind of ruined my day. I'm not going to lie. Because I'm a big Tip Patrick fan. I know people outside of Denver might not be, or outside of Broncos country might not be too familiar with him. But I think he's a very underrated player. He's a big body wide receiver. And they were missing that last year. And they're going to miss it again this year, unfortunately. So hopefully other guys step up. Pac-12? <laughs> but other, yeah, other than that, there hasn't been too much yeah. injury-related news no. going on uh, around the NFL yet. Yeah, the running right. backs are mad because they feel like they're not valued. Um, they did a Zoom call trying to get more valued. Um, Dalvin Cook still hasn't signed anywhere. He left his visit with the Jets. He wants to play for the Dolphins, but the Dolphins are not going to pay him what he wants. Jets uh, and Cowboys is what I've read, been reading a yeah. lot. It's kind of uh, it's kind of the feeling is he really wants to play with the Dolphins. He's from Miami, grew up a huge Dolphins fan, but uh, no longer feasible. It sounds like unless they up the ante, which I think they're very happy with Mostert and Jeff Wilson and all that. I know uh, Denver was connected. <laughs> Denver was connected at one time, possibly, but uh, uh, Javante Williams, incredibly, he's got to be ready. For, I mean, he's in camp right now. He's not even on the pup list. And the guy tore his knee up really bad in week four or five last year against the Raiders. Have him back. I just hope they're not pushing it. Um, they do have a stable backs there with Pering, former Cincinnati Bengal there. But uh, so I'm, I'm I'm fine with them not going after Dalvin Cook. Perfectly fine with that. Now they need wide receiver help. So yeah, there's a lot of mileage on uh, Cook's legs. Yeah, doesn't take much any for more in the NFL. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. But. Uh, Yes, uh, shifting gears, but sticking with football, shifting gears from pro to collegiate. Let's talk some Pac-12. Last week we did our Big 12 preview. This week we're doing our Pac-12. Next week, take a break as uh, Dan the Man Month's kind enough to fill in for me next week. So Josh and Dan are going to take a break from the college football previews, but then we'll jump right back into our conference-by-conference preview the following week. But there has been some breaking news uh, regarding the Pac-12 since we started recording live 39 minutes ago. Arizona has scheduled a board of regents meeting for tomorrow afternoon. Mountain West? Big 12, I'm guessing. Think so. I bet well, with with the addition of Colorado going back home yeah. to the Big 12 next year, that's 13 teams. They need a 14th. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. because you know they we like we talked last sense. week, we had the additions to the pack to the Big 12 of UCF, BYU, um, Cincinnati, and Houston. Well, they're losing Oklahoma and Texas next year. Uh, take them back down to 12. Now it's Colorado. That's 13. I think the writing's on the wall. I think Arizona's their 14th. And even though football's the moneymaker, that's another good basketball member for the conference. Yeah. Um, yeah. The teams in the Pac-12 that don't leave, what are they going to do? They're going to go to, they might have to drop down a level to the Mountain West or well, I, different conference. They might have to do that, or 
they could add some teams, but you know, I'm looking at this SI Sports Illustrated article, and here's their top five teams. If if it were up to them, that the Pac-12 should should go out and get San right. San Diego State's got to be on there. San Diego right? State's number one. Yeah, number one. Number two is SMU. They seem more Big Twelve to me. If anything. Number three, I don't agree with because they're awful. Colorado State. Number four, Boise State. That makes some sense. Number five, UNLV. UNLV hasn't been good at either sport in a while. They do have the Vegas market. Yeah. But yeah, they, they I would go after San Diego State and Boise State out of those. Boise for sure, because even yep. their basketball program is pretty good yep. these days. Um, SMU's is too. Yeah. SMU's football is better than it was. Yes. Um, San, San Diego State makes all sense in the world. It, it made sense 10 years ago even. It did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense. And, I, I mean, we've seen a new conference, uh, if the Pac-12 does end up folding. We've seen new conferences like the AAC a few years ago. That was probably 10 years ago now, too, uh, kind of form and become um, decent, decent conference, and that might be what has to happen out there. Yep, yep. It's going to be interesting. Uh, it, it, no new TV rights deal, no nothing for the Pac-12. I think everybody's just waiting to see how things are going to unfold because cause if the Pac-12 uh, dissolves or starts breaking up, look for the Big 12 to – or Big 12, big maybe Big 12, but Big 10 to swing out a few more Pac-12 teams. Yeah. Oh. Oregon and Washington are the two that uh, could make sense. Yep, makes sense academic-wise, Stanford, but – uh, I think Stanford's going to struggle a little bit in football this year as my preview uh, ranking for them in the standings is going to say. But let's jump into the Pac-12 for the last year as we know it with Colorado involved and Arizona involved, uh, assuming they jump and with the 12 teams that are in the Pac-12. Let's jump into it. Who do you have winning the Pac-12, J-Man? I have USC winning it, and USC might be my national title pick uh, this year, or like playoff team this year. Uh, Caleb Williams. Dorian Singer transferred from Arizona at a thousand yards last year, wide receiver. Um, they they should be really good. They should be really good. Um, they do have transfers on the defensive side, which they really needed an upgrade because their defense was atrocious last year from Georgia, Texas AM, Oklahoma State, and Arizona. But I just can't get over how bad their defense was last year. Their offense is gonna be one of the best in, in, in all of college football. Tulane torched them. Yes, they did. And I just, and I know that shouldn't matter. And and really these predictions are hard because we don't know what any team's going to look like in the, in the world of the NIL and transfer portal anymore. But with all that said, that's why I have USC as number two in my Pac-12 standings. I just, I just, until I see their defense approve, I I can't do it. Can't do it. Who do you have? Who do you have winning it? I have the Washington Huskies. I thought you might. Uh, I have Washington third. uh, Third? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think Caleb DeBoer is a great coach. Uh, he did great things at Indiana as an offensive coordinator, did great things at um, Fresno. Oh, Fresno, thank you. I couldn't think of it. Fresno State in a short stint there. Michael Penix Jr. is going to be a Heisman candidate right there with the defending champ, Caleb Williams. They also got uh, um, Odenza back and uh, Jalen Mc. McMillan, two wide receivers that were the leading wide receivers. They do have three new stars on the offensive line out of five, so that's a little worrisome. They need a better pass defense. Their pass defense was not very good last year. They do get Oregon and Utah at home, which yeah. which which should be a big deal because Oregon and Utah, I'm guessing we both have in the top four. 
Oregon and Utah. Yeah. 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 They're in the top four. Yeah. Penix 35 touchdowns last year. Uh, he and DeBoer are a match made in heaven because oh, they yeah. were great together at Indiana. DeBoer leaves. Penix was horrendous. Yep. Uh, in the year that DeBoer left and now they're back together. And, uh, yeah, he, he could I mean, they have a couple of Heisman candidates here in the Pac-12. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, who do you have uh, finishing runner-up? I have Oregon. Uh, they they added 15. I have them at third. I have them at three. They added 15 transfers this offseason. Bo Nix is one of the top Heisman candidates. He had 44 total touchdowns last season. Never a big Bo Nix guy when he was at Auburn, but nope. going out to Oregon, he's kind of uh, – Changed his game a little bit, and the running back Bucky Irvin uh, is back after a thousand yard season last year. Yeah, Bo Nix. Remember, he had that great game at Auburn early in his career against Texas, and then he just never did a whole lot. And he went to Oregon. It's like, eh, he won't move, move the needle. Played great uh, last year at Oregon. And Oregon should have been right there in the Pac-12 championship game, but they blew it late against Washington. Yeah, in a game I remember watching, which I don't watch a lot of Pac-12 because it's on so late. And ever since Christian McCaffrey, they haven't had a fine player that I want to watch, even though they do have the defended Heisman Trophy uh, player in Caleb Williams, which I might have to watch more this year. But uh, I, I have Oregon at three. Dan Lanning, I think, has done a great job there. Bo Nix, like you said, leading the offense that scored 38.8 points per game last year, so one of the more high-efficient offenses in the country. They do have four new offensive line starters. Um, I know in the transfer portal and, and in this world, you're going to have a lot of that, but four out of five is always a kind of a red flag for me. Uh, they do have seven of their 11 starters back on defense though, which will help. They will miss uh, Sewell and Christian Gonzalez though, who are yeah. both taken uh, in the NFL draft. Yeah. So we both have Utah at four. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Cameron rising's back 32 total touchdowns. Uh, Kyle Whittingham's had fantastic success there. Uh, he's a great coach, a coach, I always think uh, could be a great fit for bigger jobs, but he, he's he, he's got a good thing going in Utah. And sometimes why leave a good thing while you got it going? Cameron Rising, like you said, is returning, except he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl. So I'm interested to see how he bounces back from that. I mean, he's had plenty of time to recover, but still, yeah. sometimes we see, especially quarterbacks, a little worry of the, of, of the knees. It does seem like ACL injuries, you're coming back sooner than ever before. Yeah, um, and that that gives them about nine months recovery. Yeah, so they return all three of the running backs, mm-hmm. so the running back room is going to be solid. Their offense should be solid, and defense should be good too. D- their defense was one of the better in the Pac-12 last year, so defense will keep them in games. Their non-conference is interesting though. They have Florida and Baylor in the mm-hmm. non-conference, and then in conference they have to travel to Ots- uh to uh, Corvallis to play Oregon State. Not an easy place to play. They travel to USC and they travel to Washington. So yeah, it's a tough schedule. Gonna be a tough tough schedule on the road. But if they can get two of those, I think they're right in the hunt for the conference championship. Yeah. Who do you have at number five? I have Oregon State. I have the UCLA Bruins. I have UCLA six. I have Oregon State at six. So we can co- we can tackle yeah. both teams. Uh, Oregon State, they won 10 games last year. They hadn't done that since the 90s. No. Um, it's been a long time. Um, transfer quarterback from Clemson, that DJ Ugalele, whatever his name is. No, I think you, na- I think you um, nailed it. Who had that unbelievable game, his first career start against Notre Dame, and then did nothing. And then he ends up getting benched, and so now he's out uh, in Oregon State. And hopefully 
getting away from the pressure of Clemson after all those exactly. national titles, uh, he, he can kind of flourish out there. I think he'll do well there. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnson Smith's done a great job at Oregon State since he's taken over. Yeah, they were sneaky good last year. I mean, I looked at yeah. that. I knew they won like – I thought they won eight or nine games. And I saw their 10-3. and three. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, their defense only gave up 20 points per game last year. Um but they do have to replace three of their four starting defensive backs this year from that defense. So, um, yeah, it's just it's so interesting. We're talking about all these teams having to replace this, replace that. And a lot of them replace it with transfers um, instead of young guys. So yeah. we'll see how it works out. But, uh, yeah, Oregon State still should be solid, should be a definitely a bowl-eligible team. In um, UCLA, Chip Kelly had his best season as the head man at UCLA last year with nine wins. Um it looks like uh, Dante Moore is going to replace DTR there. Yeah, um, he is a, a five-star freshman, true freshman quarterback. He was a top five recruit in the country. Yep. Um, and he's yeah, they, they lost uh, DTR and they lost their starting running back Zach Charbonnet. However, they have a transfer running back from Ball State, Carson uh, Steele. Carson chirp, Steel chirp. Had over fifteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns last. Yeah, he year. was a stud down in Muncie, so I'm anxious yeah. to see what he does out in L.A. And where's he from? Do you know? Is um, I am not. Sh- I want to say he is, which is a slap in the face to Notre Dame, Purdue, and Indiana if he is. But hey, that happens sometimes. Um, UCLA has three new offensive line starters. Their defense allowed twenty nine points per game last year. But here's what worries me about, more about their defense last year. They gave up 6.1 yards a snap in big impact 12 play last year. Wow. Carson Steele went to center Grove in Greenwood right in the middle of all of them. Good job, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, um, But I will be paying more attention. I don't know if you will to to USC and UCLA this year, just because they're going to be big 12 big gosh, dang it. Big 10 members. Too many bigs, big 10 members in 2024. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I will follow them. I'm. It's more USC for football, UCLA basketball. True, like. true. Uh, but so yeah. UCLA did well last year in football. Yeah, we'll see what did. they did. Nobody goes to their games, but um, who do you have number seven? I have Washington State. I do as well. Uh, quarterback Cameron Ward had 28 total touchdowns last season. That's the only note I wrote about him. He had tw- yeah 23 touchdowns through the air last year. 3,231 yards. Jake Dickert's done a pretty good job there uh, the last couple of years, taking over for Mike Leach when he left for the late great Mike Leach when he left for Mississippi State. Um, their offensive line uh, struggled last year, and then they lost Jarrett Kingston, their best lineman, to USC. Always slap in the face when when your better, good players transfers within the conference. Uh, they also lost all four of their top wide receivers, but they got some transfers that should help there. Uh, their defense was third in points per game given up in the Pac-12 last year with 22.9, which is weird because usually Washington State's all offense, no defense. Yeah. And, and those were the Mike Leach days, so maybe it's, uh, it's true. kind of flipped back around a it's little true. bit. True. So. Who do you got number eight? I have Arizona, the aforementioned Arizona. Um, Jaden Delora is uh, back after 29 total touchdowns, uh, quarterback down there. Jed Fish is their uh, – Head coach, he's been yep. there for a few years now. Former NFL guy. I have Arizona number nine, but just speaking on Arizona since we're on the topic. Yeah, they went five and seven last year after a one and eleven season in twenty twenty one. Their top wide receiver Jacob Singer though transferred to USC, so USC grabbed a lot of guys within the conference. Yeah. Um, quarterbacks Jaden De De uh, De Laura. Uh, they do have a wide receiver attorney named uh, Jacob uh, 
Jacob Cumming. Uh, their defense allowed 36.5 points per game. Definitely needs improvement there. And they only retain three starters on the defense side of the ball. Yeah. Which could be a good thing, though. You're losing, <laughs> losing a lot that, uh, that gave up a bunch of points. So. Yeah. My number eight team is the Colorado Buffaloes. I have them nine. So. And a lot of people I saw had them 10th or 11th. Um, I mean, you got Coach Prime. You got Prime Time, Deion Sanders. But he's doing something we've never seen done before in college football. All transfer portal. Yeah. Pretty much. Second-ranked second transfer portal class in the nation. They brought in, what, 50 guys? Brought in 50 guys, new quarterback, Deion's son, Shadir Sanders is quarterback. They got Travis Hunter, wide receiver slash defensive back. That's Close. number one recruit in the country. Yeah. Um, But their defense gave up 44.5 points per game last year. But don't worry. I don't think they have any defensive stars returning because Dion got rid of the whole he, team. So he uh, he went in there and dropped a nuke on everyone. Just yep. Get out. Yep. But I will say, Colorado hadn't done anything off the field, but they are relevant in college football terms because they're being talked about again. Some they haven't been talked about in like a decade. So yeah, it's it's an it's a weird fit in my opinion. Very weird. Very weird. All right, I thought he'd end up somewhere bigger than uh, there. Yep. Me too. Me too. Who do you got? Number ten. I have Cal. I, didn't I have Cal write, as well. I didn't write notes for the final three teams because. Uh, well, I wrote some, so I don't think they'll be very good. I think our final three are the same, but yeah. Justin Wilcox is uh, the coach of Cal. They have ten starters back, which is quite a few. Uh, Jackson Sermon is listed as a preseason All American. He's a linebacker, but their defense gave up twenty-seven points per game last year and six point one yards per play. So kind of similar to what UCLA gave up. Sam Jackson, the fifth TCU quarterback transfer, will be their starting quarterback. He was at one time committed to the Purdue Boilermakers before decommitting and and committing to TCU. Um, Their O-line last year gave up 31 sacks. So they better improve there or Sam Jackson's going to be running for his life. Number 11, I have the Arizona State Sun Devils. I do too. Uh, They're coached by Kenny Dillingham. He's 33 years old, Josh. Just a few years older than us. Uh, he's uh, replacing Herm Edwards. Uh, Arizona State went three and nine last year. Notre Dame transfer Drew Payne looks to be their starting quarterback. But behind uh, protecting Drew Payne will be four new offensive line starters, and their defense last year allowed thirty one point four points per game. Not a lot of defense was played in the Pac twelve last year. And then last, we both have the Stanford Cardinal. Troy Taylor's taking over for David Shaw. There, those are some big shoes to fill. Only six returning starters for the Cardinal. Defense allowed 36.3 points per game and 224.4 rushing yards on the ground per game. Uh, Their running back, E.J. Smith, should be their stud player. I didn't even even write down who their quarterback's going to (laughs) be. Word association here real quick. I just took a random player from uh, each Pac-12 team, starting with Keyshawn Johnson, USC. Oh, man, a uh, uh, great uh, pro for a while for the Jets, then the Buccaneers, then played for the Cowboys. Never forget, I had got his, as a little kid, I got his New York Jets jersey, and uh, Dad knew he was going to be traded or wanted to trade it. I had no idea. It was on clearance. I had no idea. Three days later, goes the Buccaneers. I was pretty unhappy with my dad that, at that time. Lance Briggs, Arizona. Oh, man, uh, great linebacker for the uh, Bears for years. Solid, and now he's—I think he still is a analyst for the Bears on Comcast. I don't know. Maybe he was too real and and, and negative yeah. for their liking. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, Terrell Suggs, Arizona State. Man, going with a lot of linebackers here. Um, but yeah, Baltimore Raven legend, 
I'm going to say. Um, him, Ray Lewis. They've always had nasty linebackers yeah. in Baltimore. Hello, Tinata, Oregon. Hello, Tinata. Another solid, a lot of, another Baltimore Raven yeah. for many years. A solid interior defensive lineman. Um, I could not have told you he went to Oregon, though, but it makes sense with their Hawaiian connection there. Um, stud player, though. TJ House Mazzilli. TJ, TJ, who's your mama? Um, they had him and Chad Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to call. That's when they made the Fiesta Bowl in 2000, and uh, it's wax Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, and it was actually played in 2001. Uh, but uh, yeah, like we said, Oregon State's finally good for the first time since then. Yeah, Kobe Fleener, Stanford. Kobe Fleener, uh, man, I thought he was going to be stuff for the Colts. I did too. It wasn't, yeah. uh, but they had a lot of good tight ends come through there. A lot of good running backs, too, over the years. Yeah. And and quarterbacks. <laughs> Olin Krutz, Washington. Did not know he went to Washington. Another legendary bear that I know for a fact he was on Comcast one time, and he's not anymore. Yeah, he was know. too real and upfront with his, his takes. Uh, his son, uh, I forget his first name, will be the starting center for Illinois this year. Interesting. Uh, Committed to play for Lovey. Kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and then he has another son, linebacker, who's at Illinois as well. Committed to play right. for Lovey. Jeez, well, Olin's a fighting line, I think. Yeah. Ryan Leaf. Awful. Bust. <laughs> Best thing the Colts ever did was take Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf. Could you imagine? They wouldn't, no, they wouldn't, man, they wouldn't be in Indianapolis. They would not be in Indianapolis. That would have been the best thing that happened in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Weddle, Utah. Uh, a guy who played forever, but tough as nails, heck of a beard. I hated him because yeah. he was a Charger forever. Then he went to Baltimore. Um, yeah, just tough as nails safety, man. The only Colorado guy that I'd ever heard of is Philip Lindsay. That's played recently. They've had such bad Cordell stuff. Stewart. I uh, could have yeah, went with Cordell I, I, Stewart. I I was but Philip Lindsay to this day has not fumbled uh, in, in, in the NFL. Anybody doesn't have a job. NFL is pretty crazy. Uh, Broncos kind of did him dirty. Then he was a Dolphin for a little time, was a Texan. Uh, it wasn't XFL last time I knew, but uh, we'll see if he pops up on the roster. But uh, still had a decent little career for himself for an undrafted free agent. Deshaun Jackson. Still hanging around the league yeah. as of last year. Uh, the dude was electrifying the punt and kick returner at one time. Yeah. Last one here, Josh J-Man Rosen. <laughs> Yeah, the Cardinals are pretty stupid for drafting him. Um, I thought he might, honestly, at the, in that draft class, I thought he was maybe going to be the best pro out of them all, and if he the, was not. If the Dolphins would have just let him start the whole year, they would have ended up with Joe Burrow. So, Ouch. That's fun to think about. He's got uh, that high IQ, though, and that high wonder leg. Yeah, he was smart. Uh, that's going to do it for Word Association. Word Association is brought to you by Like It Is Every Week, Performer Print 2 Promo Group. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for your next trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting, Performer Print 2 Promo Group has over 50 years combined experience of promotional products and commercial print. They strive for fast and efficient response to all your printings, so you need to look no further. Let them be your one source print and promotional company by giving Barbara Van Weinsberg a call today at 574-210-3815. And you still need to do a book it, J-Man. Not to say, uh, Cubs play the Reds and Braves this week there in Wrigley, and I think they will regret not uh, selling at the deadline as they go under 500 this week. J-Man's book, Wrigley Week, brought to you by Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis watching Life, Home Auto Business, Renters, Workers, Common Farm, farm Insurance, Contact Shows, 219 4561 Email is at com. Hey, look at that birdie bogey. That might have been the fastest ad read in 10 J-Man <laughs> show history. We're going to have to do two ad reads for Travis next week to make up for that. 
But uh, can you name the two quarterbacks in NFL history that have thrown the most touchdowns in playoff history without playing in a Super Bowl? I gave you the hint earlier in the pod. That number is at 17. I have no idea. Um, Philip Rivers? Good guess, but no. He's one of the one of the two guys I thought you would guess. Yeah, uh, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Throw somebody else out. I'll give you one more chance to at least make a dent. Have, make some, it easier. have some dignity. Um, is this a recent guy? Either of them? One is. One's a recent son of a gun. Um, I have no idea. I give up? Give you give up? I give up. I give up completely. Josh Allen and Warren Moon, both with 17. Josh Allen wasn't even on my radar. That makes sense. Warren Moon, I wouldn't have gotten that Thanks for watching the Tan and Jamming Show. I will be back out with my father next Monday. Have a fantastic week, everybody.